play. The call on the ice stands. We gotta go. Okay, fellas. We are set to go. Let's go. We are kicking. Watch the blue. There we go. Yeah, baby. Hey, you got the power play. Get out of here. Hey, six right here for the rock. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting. We're not doing this. I don't want to babysit all night. A little bit of nastiness today. Nothing good's coming out of this, big man. Have you seen this before? Yes, it's rule something point something. He's not putting a stick in you. You keep your stick out of him. Here we go. Let's roll, boys. Let's go. Hey, 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 hey. Let's go. After further review, it's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Here's your hosts, Todd Lewis and Josh Smith. When you're ready, big guy. All right, guys, let's drop the puck. The countdown has reached zero, and the National Hockey League 2022-23 regular season is underway. But is it really, Josh? If it's not on the North American continent, is the season really underway? I think it is. There's, there's NHL games. They mean something. But it's also still the preseason because we've got a whole slate of preseason games over the next few. Is this a time zone thing, do you think? <laughs> this is quite a time zone. It's, <laughs> it's not only ours, it's about four days ahead with what's going on in Prague right now. <laughs> so spring forward, fall back, and really kick the season off four days early in Europe is how we should maybe change that little rule for the time zones. That's what we've got right now with some afternoon hockey to start it. So the season started, but it'll start again on the 11th. So um, yeah, take it how you want, Todd. Okay, so we... I don't want to say it's a false start, but it's a premature start, we'll say, for the season in Europe, if you will. This is the Scouting the Refs podcast, and please make sure you're following us on our social channels. For Josh, at Scouting the Refs on both Twitter and Instagram. For me, at Todd Lewis Sports on both Twitter and Instagram. On this week's episode, Euro Refs were Euro Games, a fine for Carcioni of the Coyotes, body cam footage, and more mascot news. Yes, there's more mascot news. Now, before we get too deep into this, Josh, I said you were the countdown has reached zero. And then I noticed on the social channels, of course, you were counting down the days to the start of the regular season by using officials jersey numbers. This is something you've done for the last few years, correct? Yeah, it's fun. We uh, we start the countdown in the linesman and work our way all the way down to the AHL, NHL refs. And then when you get into the armbands, you know, it's it's getting close. So you've got about a month <laughs> to go. So always fun to feature some of the guys and uh, have a little fun with it as we get closer to the start of hockey. You went retro with the last name on the list, and that would be former NHL referee Bruce Hood in the countdown. And it triggered a memory for me going back to childhood, and it was watching a game probably on a Saturday night. I think it may have been a playoff game, but I remember hearing some spicy words uttered to an official caught on a hot mic for the first time on a television broadcast. And it was Bobby Clark who was, <laughs> let's just say, strongly expressing his disagreement with a call that Bruce Hood made. Oh, wow. You know, if you had to name somebody, I'm not too surprised at the emotion coming from him. That's a good one and probably pretty pretty controversial back in the day. Hood, of course, the <laughs> last the last official to wear number one. He wore number one when they still wore numbers and then they switched to names and then they switched back to numbers. But the last number one was the legendary Bruce Hood. So the preseason is winding down. And to me this year, it seems as though the preseason wasn't quite as active in terms of players getting in trouble with the law, if you will. We've had a couple of things pop up. There was one this past week that we'll talk about in a second, but it doesn't seem like it's been a particularly busy time for player safety. I don't know what it is. We we normally see a couple suspensions, a couple fines, things like that. Guys trying to establish that presence and make an impression for their teams. And we've had some, 
but not like we've seen in the past. You know, we've had some pretty big ones. If you look yeah. back over past seasons, and I don't know if just everybody's got the the rhythm out from having what is a, a normal preseason before a normal full season of hockey, and they're they're kind of out of practice for that, or you kind of have guys that are feeling a little bit more established and don't necessarily have to go out there and show off and make a big run or do something that's going to get you suspended for the preseason or even into the regular season. So not sure if it's best behavior or if these guys are just not quite in uh, violent infraction game shape yet and they're just tuning (laughs) it up for the regular season. That's an interesting phrase, an interesting way to put it, violent infraction game shape. So these these are things I guess we'll have to look forward to as the regular season really gets cooking. And another one, as we get the season started and we're seeing more games on a nightly basis, multiple countries, multiple time zones to start, but I'm awaiting the look of the new game presentation. There are virtual dashboards that will be part of the broadcast this year. I'm anxious and curious to see how how that looks. And I want to bring up another item that was around for a while But then it went away. It was apparently a technology issue. I kind of call BS on that. But anyhow, they said it was because of a a technology issue. But we have sorely missed the ref cam for a number of seasons now. And I mention it because I read a story that Major League Soccer is experimenting with body cameras to be worn by referees. And good for them for doing so. So this seems to be solving the technology problem because body cameras are everywhere now. Lots of people are wearing them. If you can't put it on the referee's helmet, just let him wear a body camera and then we can get a closer look at the action on the ice. Oh man, that would be fun. It'd be a great perspective, especially for the lines when they're jumping in to break up fights and you you get that real close view of of what's going on. You're looking in the scrum. I mean, I'd be happy for it on players too, but I, I know the biggest complaint with the ref cam for the officials was it was a bit unwieldy and the way the NHL used it and I know the IIHF has used them as well, and I believe that they use it more in a recording capacity to compile the clips or review them later on. The NHL's requirement was for that live broadcast feed, so instead of just having a camera and a battery pack, but they had to have that broadcast pack to transmit yeah. the signal to the truck. And from what I understand from a few of the officials, it was pretty heavy and it was pretty cumbersome. And you did feel it impacted your mobility. You know, you're turning a helmet that weighs a little bit more. You've got a big pack on your back. If you fall down and you land on it, it's a bit uncomfortable there. So... It was a tech issue. It was a comfort issue. Technology has advanced. It's come a long way since the NHL debuted. That had to be almost six years ago now. Uh, I know we had it in the 2016 All-Star Game. So, yes, we need to have it back. Whether they can retool the helmet cam, whether they can do the body cam, I think it's a great point of view that we get from the officials' sight lines and and just what it looks like from their point of view and the action and what's going on there. So, Todd, I'm, I'm with you. Other sports are making it happen. The NHL had it, and we need to bring it back. Here's the other point that just occurred to me about this body cam is that, again, if you're using it uh, to record and then just play back later, it's a much smaller version that you can use, but it would also be a great teaching tool for officials. Oh, absolutely. If, if you want to show good positioning, I mean, what better way to show it than to actually have the sight line of what this official was looking at and, and where they were looking. And, and it helps younger officials to see that and visualize it. But it's great feedback for the guy who's actually making the call. You know, if you're if you're the official who's wearing the body cam and they're saying, hey, why are you positioned here? I mean, those discussions already take place. It's something that's coached very heavily on where you need to be. Paul Stewart will tell you the money's at the net, but it's important on where you are, <laughs> where your partner is, what you're looking at. Well, 
now not only can we see where you are, but we can see what you're seeing from that spot. And maybe it helps highlight those blind spots, those times when your view is obstructed by another player or a goalie and, and reinforces, look, I see what you're looking at. You needed to get out of the way here. You needed to move. Here's another one. All of those officials or former officials that are officiating and referee analysts on all of the network broadcasts would be able to use that footage. Of course, the Canadian uh, television networks still don't have that, but the U.S. networks that broadcast, they, they could use this footage to help illustrate their points. Again, bringing the fans in closer to the game and creating a better understanding. Absolutely. And we've said it all the time, that that understanding, that knowledge, that perspective it helps. It goes a long way when you're understanding what are the rules? How does the rule book work? How does that apply to this situation? And importantly, we can argue about what the call is or what the rule standard is. But if the ref doesn't see it, the ref can't call it. So now we have that to say, look, here's why the ref didn't call it. He couldn't see what was happening in this situation. And maybe it's he's in the right position and it, it just was blocked by another player, a goaltender, the net, something like that that got into his sight line. But at least then we can make that argument to show, look, here's the other factor. This is what the guy sees. And again, you can't see it. You can't call it. And, and maybe fans can help understand a little bit more that these officials are not omniscient. They don't see everything on the ice as much as they'd love to. Yes, absolutely. Okay, well, we've shed enough light on it. So let's get to some of the game action that we've seen. And there is, I think, an interesting part of the NHL opening up the season in Europe once again. Not only have the Nashville Predators and San Jose Sharks gone over to Europe to play some preseason and now to open up the regular season, but they are bringing in European officials to work with NHL officials at the games. I think this is a great thing for the league, for European officials to to have the opportunity to learn from the best and to officiate the highest level of games in terms of league play. It's it's a great step forward for officiating, for learning, for teaching and helping grow the officials ranks as well. Absolutely. I mean, the NHL does have one full time European official, Libor Suchanik, who's come over a couple of years ago and has has really earned his keep here full time as a linesman. But to have that honor to go back to Europe and to find these guys, I mean, they're always looking for more European officials. And the local organizations are, are looking for that opportunity to celebrate or recognize these guys who often work internationally but are part of the German League or the Swiss League, as, as was the case with these officials. So congrats to Miroslav Stolk, David Abelgazer. Uh, those are both the Swiss referees that worked the game in Switzerland. And then in Germany, we had Andre Schrader and Tim Hefner, all with international experience, all have worked the Olympics or the World Championships, things like that. And great to work a game on the ice with NHL officials and, and hopefully you know, this this gives them a chance to be honored for their service. And, and maybe they one day can either inspire someone or they themselves could end up working in the National Hockey League. And you mentioned linesman Lieber Suchanek. You've got to hope that he gets the assignment to go over and officiate because his hometown is in very close proximity to where these games are going to be played. This was something you detailed on scoutingtherefs.com. It just seems like a perfect fit, doesn't it? Yeah, nice to have guys who have European background there. And we have plenty of guys, too, in the league that have some have played in Europe, some have officiated in Europe. There's always the Champions League over there or other organizations that NHL officials or former NHL officials are a part of. So strong connections there between the NHL and European hockey leagues and, and the officials connection. You know, it's a small world when it comes to officials and always looking for opportunities there to recognize, to honor and, and engage those guys. So I think more to come on this front, Todd. Our friend Stephen Wino from the Associated Press, whose work appears in a lot of different outlets, whether it's online or actually in print, has done a very good piece 
on some of the off-ice life of three NHL officials. They all have cool, unique stories. You can find Stephen's piece in, in many outlets. And you told me just before we started the podcast that he, he sought you out to verify a little information in this piece. I think that was great. Yeah, always nice to hear from Steve or any of the other writers out there. You know, you want to double check something in the officials. I don't know who else might have that information on the top of their head. So nice to be a resource for that. And a great look from Steve with that interaction with the NHL officials to get behind the scenes with these guys and learn a little bit more about what life is like off the ice for them. They all have some very interesting stories. Corey Savret and Ryan Daisy are two of the officials with interesting stories on their background. The one that struck me, though, is for with uh, referee Garrett Rank, who, as many know, is as an amateur golfer. He said there isn't a game that he officiates where he isn't asked about golf by one of the players talking about, you know, a course he's played or have you played today, that kind of thing. And what struck me with this is that it's the conversation that takes place between the players and the official. And I'll tell you why I like this story. It's I think it's a great illustration of the relationship building and communication between players and officials that's necessary to have well-officiated games. You need to develop a working rhythm. You've got to have a, a common language, if you will. And having this sort of common topic to discuss is, is one way to do it. So I'll give you a personal example. Over the last, I don't know how many years now, 15 to almost 20, I have covered IndyCar racing. And driver Graham Rahal, who I've gotten to know a bit over the years, is a huge hockey fan. He loves his Columbus Blue Jackets, knows a number of the players there and on the St. Louis Blues as well. And he was really psyched this summer when they signed Johnny Gaudreau, by the way. But every time we see each other at an event, we don't say hello anymore. The first one that sees the other starts talking about hockey and asking questions. But it's it's a way that we've developed a rhythm and how to work and communicate and, and get along and understand each other a little bit better and, and develop that relationship. It's the same with players out on the ice. Absolutely. You want to have those personal connections. And we're far from the days of, say, the, the 70s, maybe even the early 80s. When you'd go have a drink after the game and, and players and officials would run into each other at the bar and you, you could sit down and have a chat. And for the most part, you left what happened at the rink at the rink, but you could establish those relationships and talk shop away from the ice and away from the drama of penalties and calls and fights and things like that. And, and you used to have those interactions. I think today it's a lot more demanding on the officials to to be where they need to be, to get what they need to do, the training, even for the players. They don't have that downtime and you'd miss those opportunities to kind of build those relationships. And like you said, Todd, it's important out there. The more you can kind of connect with each other, you kind of earn a little respect. You have that relationship. I know that a lot of the NHL officials are, you know, have those, either they came up, maybe it was playing hockey, maybe it was officiating hockey at lower levels. Maybe it was an all-star weekend and you're sitting at the blackjack table with your wife and you're playing with a player and their wife. And uh, that's a, an actual example, but a good one because yes, these are humans and they have real lives and they should be interacting with each other just because your coworkers effectively, right? They're both getting paid to be in the same place yeah. at the same time. You can't, uh, it doesn't mean you can't have a relationship or you can't have that connection. And it also doesn't mean that by having that, that you're biased. I mean, we have opposing teams. We have rival teams who have players that are really good friends. We have players getting traded to the opposing team and <laughs> you still do your job. You show up, you do your job, you, you, you know why you're there. And I, I think these guys are all adults. They can all handle it. And I, I think that relationship and, and just knowing each other as people, it, it goes a long way towards getting that respect and really making the game better on the ice. So yeah, more of that is, uh, is great. And knowing that Garrett Rank has golf as a connection, it's, uh, it's a good one. I agree. And I, th I think it's maybe you can even put it in a more personal sense. I mean, there's there's people that I think we all work with sometimes that 
not that you don't dislike each other necessarily, but you just you just don't get along as well as others. But you're you're still professional. You still move forward and you do the job that that's necessary. And if you if you have a, a coworker or colleague that you do have a, a different and, and deeper relationship with, the tasks tend to be a little smoother. Everything runs a little easier and stuff. So maybe that's just a, a simple way for everybody to look at it. Yeah, and a, and a good point that not everybody has to get along or be friends. And you, ha- you have some that are just it's just never going to work. And for the guys that are in that situation, maybe you find that middle ground, maybe you find that common connection, or, or maybe you don't. But when you've got something that that folks are aware of or that they can take away or or that you can meet up in the offseason and, and four guys from different teams and a couple officials can get together and you can you can play some rounds of golf, then uh, I think it's a nice experience and a, a good opportunity because then when you do meet up back out there on the ice, maybe you give the guy a little more time, you give a little more respect. We did have one Department of Player Safety ruling in the past week. It was a game between the Arizona Coyotes and the Vegas Golden Knights. Yotes forward Michael Carcioni was fined $2,200, the maximum allowable under the CBA, for roughing Vegas forward Gage Quinney. Now, what I found interesting about this is Carcioni was given a two-minute hooking penalty on the play. So... I'm not sure what caused player safety to have a revisit and look at this one and something that warranted further punishment. But I thought it was interesting that the fine was for roughing and the penalty was for hooking. I It was interesting. So good eyes, Todd. Way to catch that one. It was something that uh, that I couldn't figure out either. So I went to go find the footage and see exactly what happened on the play. And I couldn't. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm pretty sure the game was televised, but uh, these preseason games haven't been the most accessible as far as video clips or footage. So obviously player safety did have the clip and reviewed it. Whether this was a a high hit that was missed by the refs on ice, whether it was some combination with a hook and a punch, hard to say. I mean, roughing by textbook definition is typically a gloved punch to a player. So what exactly happened? I can't even tell you. And and it's it's frustrating because player safety obviously has the video and have reviewed it. We do get the player safety videos with explanation for suspensions, but not so lucky for fines. And and that's par for the course. Going back to Garrett Rank and his golf game, we typically don't see a video for a fine, but it would be nice to in this case, especially because of the scarcity of preseason video clips. So I can't break it down, Todd. I can't even explain what happened here. But remember, player safety always has the option of changing what they're fining or suspending for, regardless of the call on the ice. Yeah, so if we did have referee body cam footage, they could use that ah. as well for, I, I suspect. But but you're right, it's, uh, again, helping fans understand just a, a two-paragraph ruling fine, $2,200 roughing. Well, that doesn't give me much information. If I can see the offense and why it was a problem, again, that helps a greater understanding for the fans following the game. Yep. And I think the only thing that didn't necessarily help, or, or maybe the lack of video evidence does, I think I saw Carcioni was on waivers. So maybe uh, maybe not exactly making his case to make the big club. Okay. We have one more item that I want to mention before we wrap up this edition of the podcast. It was recently announced the Seattle Kraken now have a mascot who is named Bowie. Not boy, but Bowie. That's how you pronounce it. The dude has blue hair. He's got an anchor earring. And, you know, he's kind of received mixed reviews. Some like it, some don't. There are some suggesting it's kind of a knockoff on Gritty. I don't really see it. There was apparently some other inspiration. But, you know, Josh, this once again gives us the opportunity to push for the long overdue mascot for NHL officials. We've already named him, Refi. 
This has to be implemented ASAP. I mean, just think of the promotional opportunities. This, I mean, they could be given out whistles at games, pucks. You got orange armbands you could hang out and out inside. It is a great opportunity that is being missed that we need to correct. It absolutely is. And I think Refi would go a long way towards that. Maybe not winning some of the adult fans over, but, you know, you can introduce kids to the the positive aspects of being an official or that that officials are, are, are good guys out there for the most part. And that you're really trying to uh, to put a positive spin on it, much like Bowie is doing here. And, and we did see Bowie's first appearance at one point. Uh, he came out in a striped sweater there interacting with some fans and I'm still waiting to hear back. I know Hockey Canada is a little busy these days, but between them and mm. USA Hockey, just trying to see, is this guy certified at all? I mean, is is, <laughs> is he really able to wear the stripes in the arena? I, I think we've got to do a little more digging on that end. We don't want him stealing any of Refi's thunder, that's for sure. And again, Refi could be a great opportunity to help teach the rules of the game. I agree. And for new fans like the Kraken have there, I'm sure there's a lot of hockey fans in the area, but they're going to certainly draw in some new ones as well. Having those explanations, giving that understanding to fans of all ages, it's it's vital. So yeah, a, a good opportunity there. And I guess we'll have to let Bowie run with it for the moment until Refi can make his way out west, come to fruition and then be out there and then make his, his arena tour to hit up all 32. Oh, one funny thing, though, Todd, that did cross my mind as Bowie's out there in his striped jersey and, uh, you know, you just picture a bad call and the fans all getting on him and, and yeah. they're not booing. They're they're saying booey. <laughs> <laughs> this? Are they booing me? Uh, no, they're saying booerns. Booerns. Love it. Love it. We're done. Good job. You're good, my book. Good stuff, man. Way to work. Yeah, we're good, man. Too long. Let's go sit for a couple. Get in the box. It's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Read more at scoutingtherefs.com. Follow Scouting the Refs on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Scouting the Refs. Email the show at heyref at scoutingtherefs.com. Subscribe, share, and keep those sticks down. Money! That's nicely done. That's good work.